I find it offensive that uh-huh. you curate our Instagram because you fear for the things that I would say and you don't curate the one for step into the sandbox because you don't fear for the things that David would say. That's 100% true. I know it's 100% That's true. Not- and I am offended. I think you're trying to control me, Nick. I think this is a problem. Welcome to this episode of Pancom Podcast. This is episode something like 53. Is it episode 53? I think it's episode 53 of this podcast uh, that is still alive for reasons that neither of us understands. I don't. I mean, it's definitely, we're not live because of ad money. That's for that's, sure. That's true. Yeah. So this is episode 50 something. Uh, we do not have a guest today, which is which is different. We've, we've had a streak of guests and guest episodes. Um but it's been a while since we just kind of caught up with what's happening with you and Ariette and things. I think it would be interesting to find out how many people automatically turn the podcast off right now considering we don't have a guest. 50% minimum. 50%. I think yeah. that's a solid number and I would agree with that. To the 50% that are still here, thank you so much for staying tuned. <laughs> uh, I um, There's like so many things to talk about. I yeah. think like the, the, entire, the entirety of the world is like all fucked Everything is fucked up. Well, let's start on a high note here. There's there's I'm politics gonna, that are happening. I'm gonna pull. I'm gonna pull producer um, rank here. There's like Nick is arguing with people about qualified immunity again there's online. That. That's that's old uh, news though. Nick is just doing all kinds of things. I really want to talk about Nick this whole podcast. Wow. Yeah. Let's just talk about what's going on in your life. I mean, well, let's hold on. Let's let's start with what I'm sure a lot of people want to hear. We can get to whatever you want later. But we let's, have no let's, idea what people want to listen. Let's start with this with this tasting menu shit. Okay. For people who have not heard reference to this in the past, Ariette is now in its second month yeah. of doing a ticketed. Uh, it was different each month, right? One was ten, one was thirteen. Yes, is that right? Yes. Uh, tasting menu. Correct. Had Ariette done that before at any point? We've done. You've like, done like the vegetable dinner and. Yeah, we did a vegetable dinner. We did tastings for like New Year's that are always a train wreck. We've done a couple dinners here or there, but we never made it a point when we closed for the for the Rona for the quarantine. We wanted to reopen with a tasting menu option on the menu as well. And then you know there was a point in which business got real bad. You know, like we were doing like ten people a night, fifteen people a night, so we decided not to do it. But one Sunday, I was just sitting in the office, and it was after brunch, and I was talking to um, my chef, Chef Manny, uh, and I was like, let's just do, like, one night of a tasting. And I just posted it on my social media that one that one afternoon, and we sold out in about uh, about 40 hours or so, something like that. It was like a day and a half that we sold out that one, that one dinner. Yeah. And it went very well. It was rough around the edges the first dinner, but it was it went well, and it was super fun. The staff loved it. I saw something out of my staff that I hadn't seen, like uh, post reopening. So I think I said, "Fuck it, let's do it again." So when we did it again, I posted. We sold out in an hour, and I said, "Fuck it, let's do another day." And we sold out the next day in about a day and a half. And, um, oh, man, Matt Kusher's approaching. Matt Kusher's approaching. Oh, shh, shh. Quiet down. Matt Kusher's here. Matt Kusher, everyone. <laughs> How was your burgers? They were great. Dude, yeah, we're, I mean, it's not live. We're, we don't do a live podcast, Matt. They were great. She's amazing. Uh, she's amazing. Uh, she Petey's is kind of annoying me. She is Georgia, yeah. and the one annoying is Petey, the dog. Yeah, Petey's annoying me. That's not a popular opinion at all. 
Um, no, the reality is, uh, every time I come here, Mike, I'm more and more impressed. Oh God. I'm not trying to kiss your ass. I'm just telling you my actual. No, we're friends though. It doesn't count. It's like my uncle telling me no, I'm doing a good not, job. Because honestly, I wouldn't say shit to be honest with you. I just would be That's like, everything's great. So accurate. When I go out of my way to like tell you, that means I actually mean it. You know that oh, everything's great. Yeah, no, I know, I know whatever. that. It's like everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's Thank great. you. No, everything's, everything's great. Yeah, it was great. It was great. No, it really was fucking great. Thanks. Um, I had a great time, but she's amazing. Yes. And uh, they went out of the way to make the kid a fucking special juice. Oh, nice. And it's nice. I'm gonna smoke two fucking cigars right now. So nice. You have a cigar? Let me no, go. I'm buying one. them from you. Oh, you are. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm trying to spend money on the days that you don't do fucking. 155 events. Oh man, so come you can on. Make money's on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, and yeah. not just the uh, big event days. How's your Cadillac, man? So, I'm so mad I missed that event, huh? I love it, man. I know. When are we doing it again? So I dropped it off today just to get like everything out of the way to get the whole fucking. So I was driving it on the fucking Palmetto today. Yeah. Like, tell the people what each of you have. Yeah, so we, we are part of the Cadillac Kings chapter of Florida. Thanks to Matt. Are we officially part of him? I, I, well, I mean, apparently you have to have a sticker, which yeah. I will not be putting on my car. We've been invited. I don't know if we're officially. We haven't paid any dues or anything. Did we pay? We did. Did we pay money? For I didn't that? pay any dues. Oh, did good. You? I didn't pay money for that. I mean, either. I would pay them, but I'm just, I would I not. Haven't. No, I would. Either not way, pay. I was in the Palmetto today in my twenty foot Cadillac that was like a foot from the ground, and uh, I don't think it was meant for <laughs> driving on the Palmetto with fucking vans going zipping and zapping all around me. But it was delicious just driving it fucking. So tell people what you have. I have a 76 Cadillac Eldorado convertible. Yeah. It's blue with blue hubcaps, which was a, a, a 70s thing for Cadillacs. They had the matching hubcap for the actual. To, so to have an OG is very hard, actually. Yes. I don't play golf, but I do have a Cadillac, and I love it. I don't play golf either. Is that a thing? People that play golf have Cadillacs? No. I meant like uh, people our age have hobbies. Uh, I don't have a hobby. True. I have a 61 Cadillac Series 62 hardtop two-door. That you have not driven yet. I have driven <laughs> a few times, but has been in the shop now for six and a half months. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Listen, the car came with nothing. Yeah. I got a bare-bones car. I built it the way that I wanted it to be, and that's totally fine. Oh, one day we're going to fucking cruise it up. Oh, I can't. It's very... Biscayn it up. It's been the, it's been the highlight of 2020 because this year has fucking sucked. Agree. Can we start like a Biscayn and chill fucking uh, is that program. Is that the thing? Biscayn and chill? <laughs> How many Cutler and chill? I don't tell, know. Tell people you had... you had So Matt had a Cadillac uh, car get-together at Stevens Deli. Yeah, it was fucking amazing. 75 cars showed up. Don't tell the Miami Herald that 75 cars showed up during coronavirus. What? But, it's uh, plenty. There was three blocks. So everything yeah, no, was, it was separated a lot of space. Six feet. It was spacing. But there yeah. was – people were loving it. I, I had a fucking blast. It was. I learned the difference between the donks, the Jeeps, the oh, Cadillacs. The this fucking, is so good. I learned crowds, the difference man. between the donks and the Cadillacs. <laughs> the whole world. I love that. Yeah, donks are a thing for sure. Oh, well, my time. Donks are a big thing in Miami. So, Yeah. I mean, my wife said I had the nicest donk, but I didn't realize she was talking about <laughs> my car and not my, not my shit. Yeah, yeah. but you know, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> That's good, man. That's good. Well, are you going to do it again or what? Oh, yeah. No, I'm going to do it. Once Corona's over or slightly on the other side, which hopefully past Monday, we're slightly on the other side. Because honestly, I don't know you about you. Your but dining room? I, yeah, I'm... I'm Super positive that we are going full forward on the other side. But wait, you're going to open your dining room? You're going to leave your doors open? And yes. run AC full-fledged? Yes. No, it doesn't make any sense for me. Okay. For me, I am million percent. And uh, I'm 
I'm this. I'm ready for the other side. I yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm ready for the other side too. The way I think about it, first of all, there's no science to calculate the fact that I need to leave my doors open and run the AC that I spent twenty grand on over the last three years, like to jeopardize that, which I worked entirely too hard to to have that air conditioning when I started with five tons and now I have twenty tons. Like, nah, man, it doesn't make any sense. And I, I know, I get it. it. Doesn't like I'm gonna struggle because of it, but I just think that it's 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 dumb. Tell the people what this. The rule. New rule. Starting when was the rule? Monday. Uh, you can open your dining room at 50% capacity, but you need to leave the doors open and run your AC at 100%. But you don't think that's just like a suggestion? You really think that's going to be an enforceable thing? I thought that the 10 o'clock curfew was a suggestion, but they're closing down restaurants because of that. Yeah, but I think after, I mean, again, who the fuck, what do I know? I think after Labor Day, it's going to be back to somewhat of Reggie normal. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, which is smart. I think we should wait till after Labor Day because people get fucking stupid. And leave the doors open. Every fucking restaurant's different. I don't have fucking doors. Yeah. I mean, so what am I leaving open? I mean, my fucking. I, I will say that I'm very impressed with all the guests you've gotten, the different uh, ratio of people. I look forward to them. I really do. I'm not bullshitting you. I'm not smoking, blowing smoke up your ass. Um, the more hospitality people I like. So I hope you keep getting more hospitality people. But I like that it's a coffee one, a tea one, uh, a spirit one, a beer guy, a restaurant guy, a high-end restaurant. And I hope you keep going that path. I'm not talking like I'm – We want to go – I, I, I want to – I, I kind of want to push other other facets of the world too. But you have. You got the fucking yeah. owner of the soccer team. You got fucking uh, oh, man. Ed Reed. I mean, let's, you've gotten let's everything. Let's give a shout-out to George Moss for winning their first game. Yes. Right. They're boycotting now too, right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All sports are boycotting. I can't do more boycotts. I'm not gonna lie. We're looking at. uh, I think Martin Cove. Oh, I think we need no offense. Sweep the leg. Martin Cove of sweep the leg fame. Come on, Karate Kid. Sweep the leg. Martin Cove. He was the the sensei, the bad sensei. I watch Cobra Kai, so I shouldn't know this. Yeah, but he's old. What does that mean? Miami. No. How are you gonna get Martin Cove? We're a big. We're a big deal. Oh, come on. No, he's great. He's fantastic. I watched Cobra Kai season two, and he's definitely getting very evil in season yeah. two. I'm I don't, even, I don't even know what Cobra Kai is. Oh, I, it's I, on Amazon. Or, it's a series. Uh, it's like a follow-up on... Oh, yeah? Yeah. This is it's amazing. And he's, and he's taking over. He lives in a homeless shelter, and he's taking over the new Cobra Kai? I, What's I happening? Had, I had no idea this is like a thing. Yeah. YouTube series. Oh, it's YouTube a YouTube... Oh, and you're a big YouTuber. No, but it was like the only TV show that YouTube actually produced. Oh, yeah. It's like a real TV show. And it's actually cool because Daniel LaRusso like owns a car dealership and he's like LaRusso fucking dealership. And it's like real life. Karate chops price. Yeah, like 30 Does years he? later type shit. Yeah, it's fucking pretty cool. It's not great, but it's good. I'm going to talk some shit because like his daughter like obviously doesn't know karate. And they have her like be like the next karate kid. And I don't like that because... She obviously has no like Jaden Smith, but the Cobra Kai's karate was good. It was just yes. like Daniel Larusso's karate was. Ah, what do you mean? No, that but like the Cobra Kai's looked yes. like they, no, they had like a whole Cobra Kai episode where like they went camping and like one of them died. It was like all the original Cobra like, Kai's. Original guys that, like, yeah, it was pretty. Costumes, yeah, like those guys come back as actors. Yeah, camping together and they die, and one of them dies. Spoiler alert! Yeah. Yeah. Fuck! No, but I you need, need like. To watch uh, it. Fucking Aside a. from hospitality, you need like to interview like a Miami porn star because obviously there's a huge porn industry. That's a in good here. point. We're in Miami. It's the That's actually good. relatively new porn star capital of the world, and I feel like that would add a different element to the program. 
But aside from that, selfishly, I just want as many hospitality people as possible. I'm going to come back, but i got to go hang out with my cousin. Cause, uh, I took a hard left turn there. God, it's because he's hammered. So he's just like left turn, right turn. We're taking <laughs> dips. We're going through uh, all kinds of crevices. Um, so we talked about the fact that you were doing these dinners. You were talking with your chef about, you know, uh, sort of the germinating idea of the dinners. Tell me a bit. I haven't I haven't been to one of these dinners yet. I'll be there uh, in one of the two September dinners. Right. But give people an idea of like, so it's called Versos Sencillos, which is a reference to a collection of Jose Marti poems. Right. Um, which are all four four verse uh, poems. Um, and I'll, I'll quiz you and see if you know any by heart. I don't know any by heart. Okay. No, I already lost. Okay, That's cool. fine. With that, right, like tell me what is it that we always talk about your food being a conversation with you. What's right. this conversation? I don't know if the, the thought process was that deep. Okay. You know, I think like naming it that was like, uh, I remember the day before, uh, Brittany asked me, is like, are we going to give this a title? Do we just call it the tasting? You know, we had a couple of ideas for names for like what we're going to call the tasting before when it was going to be on the menu. But I don't know. I, I wanted the, I wanted the, the idea and the depth of the, the tasting to have something more than just we're doing a tasting. I wanted it to have like we're doing simple verses of something and maybe one day it'll make more sense than it does today. But that's kind of like the thought process at the very beginning. So, you know, the first one was a little more like um, throw something up against the wall and see if it would stick. Yeah. And it did stick. And I think we made a lot of mistakes that first one that we didn't make the second one. And uh, the second one. The mistakes were far less. There was still some, but it showed me the team that we have, what we are capable of. And I think that's why, you know, we weren't supposed to record today. I texted you this morning. I asked you if you wanted to record because I like we did two days this time, which in essence, the first time we did one and it this one felt a little less uh, like uh, there was less climax. It was like we were doing what we knew we were supposed to do. Like day two, when we went into service, we were extra prepared. We were extra focused, and it was almost extra easy. And we did – there was a lot of things on this tasting menu that aren't normal in Miami. And a lot of things that I was told that no one but certain people in the country could do. And that's why we did that. Yeah. And it was – nerve-wracking and i lost sleep and we went through it a million times we walked through it a million times uh we actually changed monday's tasting to wednesday because of the threat of a hurricane but actually i think more so because i felt more comfortable with one more day of practice sure. which is fine T so in a way some of this is a little bit of a flex or at least um at least aspects of it are no i don't think so no no i don't, I don't a, a flex is a it's a strong word i think it's um can you do it? Okay. You know, like, can you achieve this thing in this time during these, like, very weird, fucked up times? Like, can you do it? Will people come? How will they be? So do you feel like you're trying to prove more to yourselves, plural, right? Than, 100%. Yeah. I think that the team, there's days that this team, you know, like, we have uh, Assam, obviously, that's been on the show in dropping off wine yeah. todd deceptively badass. deceptively yeah 
deceptively hard, man. Yeah, that he's um, capable of so much, but there's days that he's bussing tables and helping wash dishes. And, you know, Brittany, that is the director of operations, there's days that she takes a section and she works, you know, as a server. And um, so everyone is kind of like out of their zone. But what this does is it puts them back in their zone. You are a psalm for the night. You are the director of the thing tonight. You are this tonight. You are doing what you are supposed to be doing. It's almost like a reminder of like, this is what life is supposed to be like. Right. And we know that things are weird and life is weird, but we know that this is what you're capable of and we want you to live in that zone, even if it's just for two days. Um, and I think that's really what it's about. And I think, so like yesterday, I went through the whole thing and like, like usual, we... Uh, I'll, the team will come out and we'll have a couple drinks and we'll just talk and like, oh, you remember when this happened and this guest did this or whatever. It's just kind of like a bonding thing and it's fun. And But I didn't feel like, uh, like a climax moment. I felt like this is where we were supposed to be. Yeah. This is how I feel how good we are every day or how good we could be every day. I was getting coffee this morning and I was thinking about the whole thing and I sat in my car and I go, man, like, I feel like we really did do something very special. We stepped outside of our comfort zone. We pushed ourselves to a place that we hadn't been before. We felt uncomfortable. We felt nervous. The energy within the staff was high octane. The, you know, the food was precise. It was well executed. It was a lot of things. And it was, I think the first one was great. And this one, just because of how we reacted and how we acted in the moment was even better. Because not only did we rise to the occasion, we in that occasion felt like this is where we belong and this is where we need to live, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So... You know, like just sitting there thinking about it today, I was like, you know, I I think that the climax for me was more today when I reflected on it a little bit. And, you know, today I was like more mentally exhausted than I was physically. I remember like a moment yesterday that uh, I fired like four tortellini and brodos and two ducks and four rabbits. And then I fired two picnic dishes. So I look behind me and I see like Chef Sherry, which is one of our new sous chefs is like dropping liquid nitrogen into an igloo and dropping avocado rocks and preparing the mackerel tartare for the cart to pick it up. And it was just like a thing. And, and I see we actually extended our kitchen into the dining room. Since you can't use the dining room, we made the entire dining room our kitchen. We set up a okay. pass in the middle. Yeah. I set up a cold side. So we set up coolers and um, actually set up a chest freezer and all that stuff. And it was like I made the kitchen four times the size. And so I was working like circular at the same time, like firing the eel terrine and the eel terrine was smoked. And then we had like five smoke guns, like smoking with uh, uh, bay rum wood from Homestead. And it was like a, a lot of things happening. Yeah. And it's a lot of things that are outside of the comfort zone of Ariette. And that says a lot because Ariette is not scared to push the envelope. But we only push the envelope as much as the kitchen allows us to. And the kitchen is very small. So this time we like pushed it even further and further. And I, you know, 
I sat in my car for like 20 minutes. I drank my coffee and I was just like, I felt like, man, this is, um, it was something special. And I think going back to what I said before, the staff felt and acted like they, that's where they should have been. This is where we should be. Not like, um, this is our first time and we're nervous to be at the dance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So was there, um, obviously there's a lot that goes into one of these dinners and you have your hand in everything, but was, was there a dish or a set of dishes that you feel like were the ones that have most of your fingerprints on them? No. Okay. I... I'm like um, in this very unique position that I have seven or eight employees in the kitchen that are absolutely incredible at what they do. You know, they're young, they're hungry, they're hardworking, they're talented. Um, I think 100% this was like a great collaboration effort between everyone. And, you know, I don't take credit for anything solely. I think it was a group effort. I think that the composition of the entire dinner was something that, Maybe not everyone could understand, so maybe they understood it better afterwards. Yeah. Because... And by the way, that's not me, like, asking you to take... Because I I know from, number one, just from how you guys work in general, but also, I mean, especially because the menu changed from one month to the other. I mean, in a couple of months, it's it's a couple dozen courses, almost. Right. So, there has to have been... If I ask you that question, it's a question that I would ask other people. I'm sure... You know, but... um, No, but see, so, like... This is why I find this group of of individuals so special. Like we would meet um, once or twice a week. Someone would make breakfast. We would meet in my office. Would have coffee. We would talk for like an hour and a half, two hours. Like, well, this dish. Like, which way do we want to take this? Yeah. And who wants to prep this? And how do we want to approach this? And when do we want to test this? Right. And it was like um, there was people in the room. So in a way, I mean, and again, I'm not saying this to, like to give you an opening to brag or anything, but I'm trying to take this to a place where it's like your unique perspective on this thing. I, I, and tell me if I'm wrong about this. I imagine if that's the case, it must've been validating on the level of like, this was the ultimate test of whether you'd pick the right people, of whether you'd surrounded yourself with a team that was capable of doing that. A hundred percent. And you know, like, and not everyone in the team is fully formed. Like, I think that they still have a lot of growth to do just like myself. We all have a lot of growth to do, but I think we grow together. What are you good at? What am I good at? How can I help you? How can you help me? What can we do together? What is it that, you know, like, is there something you really want to do? Is there something that you really want to see? You know, like, yeah, in essence, I sit there and I come up with like, hey, we should do this dish and this dish and this dish. But uh, they'll be like, what about this, that and the next? Or maybe we could do this or maybe we could do that. I don't know. It's. It's a special moment to be in, and it sucks because we're living in a moment that the world is a fucking train wreck. But it's right? a little bit of a, a respite from Yeah, that. I mean, it's definitely like a nice feeling to like be able to sit at, at a table with people and not think about like how fragile the world is. I, I don't want to spend, unless you have other things that you want to cover, but I'm sure because it's going to be a monthly thing, we'll have a lot of opportunities to talk about this. I'll leave it at this. I feel like blessed and fortunate of the fact that today... And just very vaguely, we released dates for the one in September, and they sold out in 24 hours. Two days. Yeah. 70 tickets. Um, 
the amount of support and love we get from the community is crazy. And I can't thank people enough. And I know like that makes me work harder and lose more sleep and just try as much as I can to make sure that they have a special, special night. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for September and it's going to be hard to one up what we did last time, but I think, uh, we're going to do our best to do that. We ended up here. Where's Petey? Petey, where are you at? Feel bad because uh, he he has a groomer's appointment tomorrow. He smells like shit right now. Does he? I mean, he's not like I can oh, smell man. you from we, down there. But we like, if fucking... you pet him for long enough, his hands yeah, your hands need to get washed. We took we took um, Quincy to the groomer, and Emily misspoke, and they shaved him completely down again. Oh man, man! So now he looks like a lamb again. He's a mess. But they gave him that like poodle poofy thing. I just he's a mess. He's just not as cute of a dog as he is. I even told the lady, I was like, what did you do to my dog? <laughs> what have you done? What have you done to my dog? Uh, anyway, before before I forced the conversation about the dinners, for some reason you wanted to talk about me. Yeah, let's and talk I about you. I don't normally like to talk about me, let's but you're the host you. of the show. Your name's on the sandwich. It's not, but it's it's our our name's on the sandwich. You're my creative life partner, apparently. Oh, man. That's so what I'm I heard on gonna, the street. I'm never going to shake that. Uh yeah, I don't know what you meant by that. We don't have to do this talking about me shit. I'm happy to not talk about me. But if you had something in mind for some reason. I mean, it's uh, like, but th- this is kind of what I mean. Like, the world is an absolute train wreck. And sometimes I feel like Miami is almost in a bubble in comparison to the rest of the world. And I don't know why that is. But I o- I've always felt that way. Because, like, I remember when I first moved to Virginia and I really experienced what racism is really all about there. It was a different ball game for me. Like I hadn't, I hadn't really understood what that meant. And then I moved there, and I go, "Oh, this is not like just like talking shit to your Puerto Rican friend as a joke. Like this is like, this is this is real. Like they, these motherfuckers really don't like each other. Right. And here it's like, I don't know. It's just like talking shit to people. Like I don't like you because you went to Belen. You don't like me because I went to Columbus. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I have I have a lot of thoughts. Oh, man, I am fucking shocked that you yeah. have a lot of thoughts. I usually hold back on this podcast because my name's not on the sandwich. Oh, God. Uh, but if we if we want to get into them. Go on. So I, I think that, and this is something that I've been thinking about since I left Miami, sort of like you, right? You have like a different perspective when right, you live right. here and you see how other people. I remember, this isn't to say that this is what sparked any like long-term thought process in my mind, but it's a book that stands out to me. I, I was a journalism student at the University of Missouri. One of the books that we read was a collection of New York Times articles called How Race is Lived in America. Mm. And so it was a collection of articles that had been published in the New York Times. I think it's like of different types, right? Maybe some op-eds, maybe some news stories, whatever. And one of them was about Cubans in Miami. Uh-huh. And it was specifically about, like, it sort of follows, like, a white Cuban and a black Cuban. Uh-huh. Being the only Miami Cuban in the class that was, like, talking about and being presented to about this book, I felt like the class and the book and the person who wrote that article completely missed a lot of things. From my perspective, I think, number one, there are almost, cert- not almost, there are certainly a lot of people who... I think have a different experience of race in Miami than you or I do. Right. Especially people who are from a different Miami. Like if you're from like African American Miami, and I specify African American to distinguish from black, which would include like a lot of the Haitians and Jamaicans. Right. 
your experience of race is, is one thing. Uh, but in general, I think that Miami has a very casual relationship with race in the sense that race is strictly phenotype in Miami. So your physical characteristics, like if you are black, you are black. And within people who are black, it's a separate question where you're from. And you can have black in common, but not have national origin in common. You can be a Haitian black guy, white black, uh, white black guy. Well, yeah, I guess you could be a half white, half black guy, right, or whatever combination, or a Cuban black guy, or an African American guy who doesn't know where beyond America you're, you know, whatever, right. Uh, and so I think in that way, Miami has almost like a more objective relationship with race, and Miami's more conscious on some levels. It's not always perfect, but more conscious than other parts of the country that. By knowing a person's race, it's very limited what you know about them and their life. Right, right. Because you know? they could be so many different types exactly. of right. so many different types of white guys, so many different types of black guys, and so many different types of. And that was my very Nicky Menez long drawn out way of getting there. Yeah, no, I got it. I got yeah. you though. I'm so, here. I'm here for you. Whereas when you're in Virginia or when you're in Mid Missouri, right, right. If you're black, there's a way higher likelihood that your life was X, Y, or Z. Mm. And if you're white, there's a way higher likelihood that your life was X, Y, or Z. But what doesn't change when you're there is that they don't like you either way. This is what I mean. Like, when I lived in Virginia... And we have different experiences here, too. That's, My experience that's, is so different from yours. You know, when I was in Virginia, um, the experience there... And listen, I, I look uh, like a middle American person 100%. I got... You're a white person. By any objective measure. Right. But I am not, I am not their type of white person. And that's, that's 100% accurate because they would tell you that. Because they told me that. You know, like, when I got there, they're like, well, you know... <laughs> Boy, you don't sound like you're from around here. I was like, well, because I'm not. <laughs> and I have a little bit of an inverse experience of that, too. That, and and, and then... Uh, by which... And maybe tell me whether you had this experience, too. Uh-huh. The not-white people... Well, it was, actually, it was actually a black person who told me that. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I guess in Virginia, they all sound the same. Right. I mean, it's just <laughs> it, it's just like they do because everyone's from the country and yeah. everyone's from like a, like a farm or like a big plot of land or whatever it is. Right. So they... they Everyone treated me like I was alien to all of them because I was un- until I met Nick and Nick, you know, treated me like I was his family. But the last thing my dad told me when he left and my dad, you know, he was supposed to be there. He drove me there. And obviously me and my father have like a very um, interesting relationship. But he he got there with me on a Tuesday. His flight was supposed to leave on a Saturday. He moved his flight up to Wednesday. and was like, I'm not staying here. And I was like, OK, yeah. all right. Cool. Thanks for helping me acclimate. But whatever. Last thing he did when he when he was uh, when I was dropping him off at the airport, he told me he said, "You know, I'll tell you this: make friends with all the African Americans. Don't make friends with the white people." And I was like, "Well, I don't get it," because I didn't understand. I mean, for me, everyone was some sort of Hispanic, so I didn't get all this. Right. Like even a lot of the blacks here are Hispanics, right. and a lot of the whites are some some sort of Hispanic. Yeah. And it was like. And, and just to add on to that, I mean, for again, for the people in Salina, uh, in Miami, it's not just that a lot of the black community, I hate saying black community, it's not a community, a lot of the black people in Miami, it's not just that some of them are Hispanic, the ones who aren't Hispanic, you still have a huge chunk who are um, uh, Jamaican and Haitian yeah. and whatever Asian, other kind of, Jamaican, whatever other kind of Caribbean, which is significant because they have a different history, 100%. and in terms of the tensions, there are serious tensions, tensions. between the African American communities and the Haitian-American community. Yeah, yeah. But that's because, like, it, it, 
even us Hispanics, right? Like, there's tension between Puerto Ricans and Cubans. There's tension between Colombians and Venezuelans. There's, ten- I mean, it, it. But anyways, that was the last thing you told me, and I, I didn't totally understand it. And then when I when I started, like, I mean, I was by myself. Like those first three months, I was like, it was the loneliest place. I mean, whew, it was rough. And um, I'll never forget it. When you start playing football, whatever, everyone stays on campus and then they just put you with a roommate and you'll be with that roommate for four weeks. And then you go on to like where your dorm is actually going to be. So I was there with two older upperclassmen, which were, you know, um, good guys. But I remember like in the lunchroom, they would be like, oh, you know, come sit with us and I remember they, they said to me, it's like, man, there's a lot, you know, the, the team is much more salt and pepper this year. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, you know, fuck. I'm like, I got whatever. I was 17 years old at this the time. This was before your chef days. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and it was like um, I I was still 17 at the time. I hadn't turned 18 yet. So it was like everything was just very weird to me. And I'm like, I don't what the fuck is he talking about? It didn't make any sense to me. Then I started to get it. All the white people are sitting at one table. All the black people are sitting at another table. And then there's the couple of tables that are mixed. And then it's like, how did you feel about that? All the white people at one table and all the black people at another table? Yeah, like forgetting about who you were supposed to be with or who you felt more accepted by. or Just the idea that there was that division. It was dumb. I felt like it was I, dumb. That, that I share with you. Like I get, It's just so dumb. And I don't know what Averitt was like because it was smaller, right? I mean, Averitt's a small... Uh, I think it was like Methodist College or some shit like that. Yeah, like I was on a on a major flagship campus uh-huh. at Mizzou. Uh, I forget the numbers, but it's probably something like at the time, and I, I imagine it might have grown by that since then. Something like twenty five, thirty thousand people. Oh, mine was much smaller. Yeah, it's maybe a- like seven or eight thousand kids. And the school had a very tight relationship with programs in China. So on top of oh, yeah. the, you know, on a campus that big, you typically have some Asian American presence. There was also a lot of like Chinese transfer student or Chinese right. whatever student uh, presence too. And it was wild to me that like, because it was so big, you had more distinct groups. So it wasn't just like black kids, white kids. It was like the black kids here, the Hispanic kids here, right. the white kids there, the Southeast Asian, right. the Pacific Islanders had like a little thing. The Pakistani students would always hang out together. And it was weird to me. Like, I, I ended up hanging around the, the Hispanic students more often, not because of any social thing, but because I was involved in uh, extracurriculars related to Cuba, which necessitated that I be around uh, certain other organizations and whatever. Like, uh, I so, stayed away from all organizations. Well, again, in very Nick fashion, I was very engaged in an organization I started. I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started the thing, and because of the way that those things were structured, this is a major sidebar. But I guess it's not even so much of a sidebar. It, the The idea was uh, to do something on campus that was about uh, like raising awareness of and doing things for human rights in Cuba, and it shouldn't have related at all mm. to ethnicity. Like it should have been like, hey, I don't care who you are. If you're down with this, especially since there were like five of us in Missouri. Uh, then come on by, like, come on down, join our thing. I don't give a shit who you right. are. Uh, but the university actually forced us to classify ourselves as, like, a an ethnic or cultural organization. Well, how do you feel about that, that you were forced to classify yourself? I mean, I, it was weird to me. Like, right. It's weird. Maybe it was because of what I named the organization. What would you name it? It was called – this is my fault. 
Uh, it was called the Cuban American Undergraduate Student Association. Jesus Christ, was, that's a fucking mouthful. Well, the reason was the acronym is GAUSA. Oh, that's good. And there were a but lot Gausa of there were a lot of Gausas, Cuban. There were a lot of Gausas all over the all over the country that were Cuban students. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I Gausa is a dish in Peru. Oh, you're thinking Gausa, but it's also cause. Okay. All right. That's true. <laughs> yeah. <too. laughs> so we agree. Like that was a strange experience for both of us. I came from a less diverse school than you did. It was smaller. It was more heavily Talk Cuban. Belen. Yeah, Belen oh, and Columbus. Yeah. I think it was only less diverse in that we had fewer African American students. Yes. Right? But outside, of, I mean, we had as any school in Miami. It was only a. Li- it's it's weird because that's another thing. Like in the rest of the country, Belen and Columbus would be seen as not particularly diverse. You're right. In Miami, it's like no. At Belen, it's like the the sons and daughters and immigrants from like 30 countries what the fuck are you talking about but all those countries none of them all of them share the same skin color not even but to some people sure shades of different skin color i have been told not, i was brown no nah, yeah but i you know yes people have but people also told me like you don't sound like you're a white guy that's and how I'm you like, sound that's a separate question i know that's true and i was just like i don't get what that means right but neither here nor there anyway so we were on the we were on the subject of so we ended up here because we were talking about our personal experiences with race, and, and we got there because of the world being on fire. The world is on fire. Yeah, the world the world is legitimately on fire, and I think that there's some there's some serious issues that have to be addressed. But how they are addressed, and here's the problem: is that we look, and this is like everyone's thing. Like, yes, we all need to vote, but I don't know, like, what voting for a politician that they all, uh, I like, I don't, I don't see what they're gonna change for the morality that we need to to that we need to teach our young people like they're not going to teach children how to understand what like that race uh, that color doesn't dictate how a, if a person is a good person not only like, that here just yeah, yeah go if i may just like uh voting for biden right mm-hmm. and i'll i mean i have no problem saying that i'm i'm a registered democrat i have no problem saying that yeah. Voting for Biden doesn't mean that I believe that young people will be brought up in a better America to understand that the color of someone's skin does not dictate whether they are a good or bad person. Well, and, and I was going to say, but furthermore, it, okay, right. voting for Trump, does that mean that I am a racist? Right. I, I don't totally know that either. But on top of that, the way that I'll it's it's always that thing that uh, the the actions of a few affect the actions of the many. Is that how that is that how that thing goes? Anyway, probably something like that. Yeah. There's a bunch of dumb fucks that are Trump supporters. Right. And I think that there's a large amount of dumb fucks that are Trump supporters. Sure. That um, they give the entire Republican Party a bad name. Right. Sure. Yeah. Just like I think there's a bunch of dumb people that are Democrats. Of course. That if, give if the entire big Dem- group, there's going to be dumb people. That there's they give the Democratic Party a bad name, but it's also the fact that we live in in just a two party system. There's no like, what if there's someone with different ideas? Oh man, what a can of worms you're! Opening. I know that's a whole different. This is a different podcast, especially with the registered libertarian. The I table. know that's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. Someone that is, I mean, you're not a registered anarchist because is that a way to? Re- if there you- were such a party, I would be. I know I'm not shocked. But that's a whole. But the conversation about what anarchism means is another. Kind oh, of I know, I know. I we're, we don't have enough time. We don't. Well, all I'm saying is is that whether you vote here or there, like 
it doesn't change the way that we bring young people up. Like right. the way that they're like the morality in which we tr- like train is a bad word. Yeah. I think it's a bad word. But just like like my my mom brought me up in a place that just like, you know, like everyone is everyone. Like you right. treat everyone with respect and love and you know, if they're an asshole to you, you treat them like a fucking asshole. I, it doesn't matter uh the color of their skin uh, or what country they're from. If they share your same skin color and they're an asshole, call them a fucking asshole. Yeah. I would say that my sister taught me that more than my mother, but it's true. You know, like how much older is your sister? She's eight years older than me. Okay. Yeah, she's forty-three, and I am uh, thirty-five. And you know, like, I just—it's—it's—I've never been able to understand it because to me, it makes so little sense. Apologies to whoever, uh, whatever your sister's name is. I didn't—I know her name is, is Mercy. It's Beltran, impolite, Mercy, to ask people's ages. But since we're talking about lessons you learned from an older sister, on I mean, my this. second niece. She is oh, a shit. champion, and she just nice. had another baby. Congratulations on your baby, whose skin color is insignificant. Insignificant. <laughs> that is actually correct. I just, like, I, I go through this, like, daily thing, and, you know, like, I, I don't, it never registers with me. I don't understand it. If you're an asshole to me, you're an asshole. Right. I don't care your skin color. If you're a great person to me, you're a great person. I don't care your skin color. And I don't understand. And it's like, but we're so, we're so like inundated with like data. And, I, and I'm sorry, let me just cut in for a second here. Just because I wanted to highlight a point you made earlier about uh-huh. a vote for a particular person isn't going to affect a young generation in any particular way necessarily. We're talking about Trump, who, if I have a sense of who our listeners are and what their opinions are, I don't need to get into like how he has questionable takes and he's positions. a fucking moron he's a fucking moron but then if we're talking about biden as the solution to trump on some cultural level on race <laughs> we're talking about a person who committed not knowing who he would choose to picking a running mate who was regardless he just committed without knowing who it would be to picking a running mate who was a woman of color and ended up backing himself into the corner of running with kamala harris who in the course of the campaign literally accused him of yeah. being a racist and a sex offender. <laughs> That's true. So 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 important is the color of someone's skin and their gender to you that you would rather back yourself into the corner of making that the crux of how you pick your partner than actually just saying, like, I'm going to pick whoever's best. And if he were just picking whoever's best and whoever would help him have the best chance of winning, it probably would not have been Harris. It might have been another woman, Amy Klobuchar. Who? Amy Klobuchar, who is a, another senator who was in the primary, who was like sort of the most milk toast of the non-Biden people, more moderate. Dude, not only is Kamala Harris a person who accused him of being a sex offender <laughs> and a racist, but she's also a cop. She was a DA who is responsible for locking up so many people for drug possession. And she's a drug warrior. What, what I've heard when I tell people that, because listen... Like she's the she's the Kathy Fernandez Rundle of California. Oh, Kathy Fernandez. That's what I, that's can't, what I cannot Harris believe is. that she won seventy percent to thirty percent. I believe it. Why? No, only because people like what they're used to, and also because, and this I think is Biden's problem. Although Trump is more extremely uh, off-putting than Fernandez Rundle, I think if your whole campaign is I'm not that person, and 
can you articulate what the other person was bringing to the table other than not being for, for no you're right you're right I don't, I don't disagree with that but a lot of people knew that uh melba pearson wasn't going to win that race right uh like you know but it's the reason she didn't at least get 30 or 40 right and you know i mean i that just totally off subject but that of Kathy Fernandez Ronaldo, she kind of reminds me of like the the bad the bad guy in 101 Dalmatians. Cruella Deville. Cruella Deville. She, she's she, a little Cruella Deville. She does remind me. She'll roll up in like the 1940s, like Ford or Cadillac <laughs> or whatever it is, and she'll just have like she wants to steal all the puppies. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> just and she's just like a dread. And you know, like it's crazy. They like all the bad stories about Fernandez Rundle. And she still got 60% of the vote. Yeah. And I mean, her, the stories were like fucking disgusting. And she still got 60% of the vote. Yep. Which is what scares me about what's going to happen in November. Because uh, it's just so like, and politics are so, they're just so gross to me. Yep. They're so gross. And it's all about like, I don't think that any of these people have my best interests at heart. I just don't. That's I, not I, the way I'd articulate it. Go on. But how uh, would you articulate that? I th- I think someone can have what they understand to be your best interests at heart and still do things you don't want them to do. In other words, I can think like, oh, it's it's best for you that I do this thing. And you can be telling me, no, don't do that thing. And if I'm convinced it's what's best for you, then that's what I'm going to do. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's not to say that either Donald Trump or Joe Biden is like, but I do, I really do believe because I tend to assume unless... I'm convinced otherwise. I typically don't attribute to malice what I can just as easily attribute to stupidity. Uh, that's, that's how things it's just go like, around I, honestly, the whole, the whole conversation of politics makes me so depressed. In the interest of full disclosure here, because you've expressed that you're a registered Democrat, I, I will say, because I imagine somebody listening to this might want some amount of context, if I were to put, I don't know how I'll vote or whether I'll vote, for president, I'll show up to a polling place, and whether I leave it blank or not, I don't know. The president spot. If I were to put in order of likelihood what I'll do, it probably looks from most likely to least likely. Joe Jorgensen, sit it out. Donald Trump, Joe Biden at like 0% likelihood as of tonight. Mm. That's where I am, and Donald Trump is just a not 0% chance. It's not a good chance, but... That's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't see a world that I can live in that I can I can vote for Donald Trump. The world that I can see is one where between now and November, the shit going on in the streets gets so much worse. Yeah, no, I, see, I mean, it's I bad. See him, I see him. It's not even I see him. I see a vote against the entire Democratic Party as being a vote against in the in the same way that like as a libertarian. Of the two major parties, I find more kinship with Republicans most of the time, even though I can rattle off a million things that I cannot stand about the party, about Trump, about whatever. But I find more overlap with Republicans, at least in my brand of of libertarianism. Mm. In the same way, I think that how I find that little overlap, I think that the fuel in the mainstream that that socialist communist movement that literally is setting the world on fire right now yeah that fuel in the mainstream comes from the democratic party and from the mainstream left i i don't 
the thing is, is that that fuel of like the that socialism movement, and it's it's not, and I argue with people all the time because they're just like, well, these people are doing the right thing, like. Well, people, just to be clear, because there are people who, and I don't want, not I don't want, I am not painting everyone who's protested over the last several months with the same brush. Yeah, no, but like the video of the, the people in the restaurant, if you don't raise your hand with me, you're not in, in unison. And it wasn't just one local. Yeah, that no. was multiple groups, multiple times of day, multiple restaurants. That was a thing. Yeah, it's just like, you know, I would, I would, um, and me that someone that agrees with them. I agree with what they're fighting against. I agree with what uh, they're saying to an extent. Um, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not getting up, and I'm just, I'm just not. Because you tell me to do something to stand with you, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what you stand for. Right. And I think that's a lot of it. Like people blindly walk into a situation and say, "I want to agree with you. I want to know what I'm agreeing with." Not only and, that, but I mean the the excellent. the raised fist is a, a specific thing. You know, the raised fist is a specific symbol associated with specific ideologies, right? Like, there's a reason if we want to, and it's one of those things, like, these are, like, political conversation cliches that it always goes back to certain figures, but it's for a reason. There, there's a reason that you've never seen a photo of Martin Luther King with his fist raised in the air. Because that is a symbol that's associated with the same socialist civil rights movements that sent people training to Havana. The Black Panthers are not just a more aggressive civil rights movement. They're a socialist civil rights movement, which is, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. Like, And I have outright communist friends who I love and who I talk to all the time. I have people who agree with me on more like government and policy and philosophy shit that I can't fucking stand because they're just annoying and they're assholes. Right. And there are people I love who I disagree with on 100% of the things. But ultimately, the raised fist, it can't just mean whatever you want it to mean. It means a thing, and it has a historical context, and there's a reason that there are people just like, you know, uh, that, that King, and you never saw raised fists at, like, at uh, lunch counter sit-ins, and it's a particular group of people advocating for certain things that do that, and, and it's a way of signaling your support, and there's a reason that the people who want you to raise, that raise their fists are the ones that want to try to force you to raise yours. Right. The kings of the world weren't trying to force anybody to do shit. They were leading. They were saying, this is what I'm about. I'm putting this on the line. Join me. This is how serious I am about it. Yeah, but the kings of the world no longer exist, man. You know I don't know, why? If, I buy, I don't know if I buy that. I mean, the, the problem is, and it's what the... I, and it, in and a by very, the way, King was a socialist. He just didn't make his, his civil rights struggle about socialism all the time. Right. I mean, socialism is a lot deeper than just social. Like, the, the, it's, there's a whole other aspect of it that's whether the civil rights movement and socialism are different right right yeah like, yeah he was multiple things like any person right so like um what i mean by that is a lot of people in today's world want to be vindicated through exposure they want to be vindicated through look at me look at what i'm doing that's they want sure. to be vindicated by like i stand for this i am right you are wrong Instead of sitting at a table and, like, you and I disagree about, I'd say, 90% of things. I wouldn't say 90, but a lot. 80. Not even 80. 80. We've never really, like, drilled down. That's true. But let's say we disagree on, on, a, on a fuck ton of things. 
It's a metric fuck ton. Like we could do multiple episodes about our disagreements. <laughs> <laughs> Let's That's measure it true. in episodes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but also, me and God, man, you are oh. a beautiful man. You're like an little, angel. This is a little different. We ran out of oh wow! Wow! I didn't even. Should have just brought him Jack Daniels <laughs> in, in a, a solo cup. Solo cup. Please. I hear you don't have solo cup at this place. What a I fucking know. dump. I'm going to buy him just for you. Thank you, man. This is I, So I'm like halfway to a 10-course whiskey menu here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I think, like, where was I? What were we talking about? Oh, uh, yeah. the vindication of, like, where people stand. When people, like, nowadays, they go out and they set out on a mission, like, we're going to prove a point today. They always prove a point with a camera, uh, a phone, Instagram Live, a thing. To show that you're doing a thing, right? Yeah. Back in like the Martin Luther, he's right there. No, I was checking if he had food. Back in like the the King days, right? Like yeah. there was just a couple of video cameras, a couple of cameras, period. And we got very few like documentation of like what happened. Yeah. That's why I think the purity in that movement was much more real than what we're seeing today. I think today... People want to say, look at what I'm doing. Look at who we are. Instead of just like really believing in that thing. And that's why I have, I am so, I have such a hard time agreeing with people. I have such a hard time saying, I think you have like the world's best interests at heart. Because I oftentimes believe you're just doing it for, for someone to give you a pat on the back. And maybe I'm wrong. And I think that's like a very, that's a very like a pessimistic view, right? Yeah. But this is why, and to go totally, like makes no sense at all to even compare it to this. But when we do these tastings and shit and we're like trying to do all this crazy shit and I tell people, we're not doing this for food writers and we're not doing this for a publication. We're not doing this. For, we're doing this for guests that have been our guests since day one. We're doing this for people that have supported us from the beginning. There's more purity in that because I don't care about the posts. I don't care. I care about my own and my team's growth. I care about our growth as human beings, as professionals, and so on and so forth. I don't know if, like, these people that are posting and, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I beat some guy up because he disagreed with me. Like, I don't – that I'm not going to – I'm not going to agree with you because you did that. I'm going to I'm gonna look at you and say – I mean, but did you really have a conversation with that person? Did you ask them if they like pancakes or waffles? Like, did you ask them if they have a family? Did you ask them? Did you ask them several things? And that's kind of like where my disconnect is so often and why I have such a quick reflex to disagree with people that even though they're on my side of uh, a voting aisle or uh, my side of like understanding of economics or so many things, why I automatically disagree with you? Because did you ask a question? Before you just agreed. You yeah. didn't ask a question before you just agreed. Oh, so there's a there's recent events. And maybe you end up on a different place in this than I do. But you might have seen, if you caught some of my back and forth about that qualified immunity stuff. With Jose. Right. Pepe. So I'm just saying, if you if you caught that, maybe you also saw some stuff that was happening simultaneously about... I didn't. I was just okay. entertained by the qualified yeah. immunity part of it. So, and I, I won't get into that because we've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, but there's the 
the shootings in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yes. Uh, so I don't know how much, how closely you followed that or whatever. I, I think that that's, that's a very interesting uh, event to me because I think that it's sort of a, a, a little microcosm of some of what you're talking about, about people sort of jumping to a position without asking many questions. Right. Uh, so I'll, I'll lay out how I feel about it, and then I'll ask you a question. Okay. So as far as I know, at the time that we're recording this, based on video and things that I have seen, and it is now 10, I want to be specific here because this changes so frequently. It's 10.04 on Thursday, August 27th, 2020. And as far as I know, what we know about this kid is that he's a 17-year-old from 30 minutes away, but across oh, yeah. across the state the kid border. with the AK-47? With an AR-15. Whatever. Well, I mean, Guns! It's, it's Guns! <laughs> with a gun! Yeah. Um, but uh, he was from half an hour away, which in my book is not very far. It took me longer to get here. Yes. Uh, so this is basically his area. Uh, who is a member of like an aspiring cop organization sort of like rotc or something is my understanding but like hey you know i'm a young kid and i want to be a cop when i grow up sort of thing um and so there was a a a movement to uh, organize and have people show up armed in kenosha which is a town i've been to it is home actually to a place i think maybe i've referenced here uh which when shit settles down i if you happen to hear this when kenosha is not on fire Head over to Mike's Chicken and Donuts. <laughs> Listen to this. No, hold on. This is mind-blowing. In this little town in Wisconsin, Mike's Chicken and Donuts has a massive selection of whiskeys, also donuts and fried chicken, and a humidor. You know what it is for a whiskey bar with chicken and fr- with fried chicken and donuts to have a hu- This place is the shit. Uh Kenosha, also, if you're into Italian food, if you're ever in either Milwaukee or Chicago, take a side trip to Kenosha. Kenosha is the most Italian place on the planet. Um, So anyway, that's a sidebar. Uh, So this kid goes to Kenosha on the night of these protests. Uh, He is at a used car dealership with a bunch of other armed people. Uh, Eventually, he ends up not there. Uh, but cops are aware of him and others, and there's video of him before all the shit hits the fan accepting a bottle of water or something from some cops who are like, hey, thanks for doing what you're doing, you know? Um, then in another video. What things, is – can things, I ask you yeah, before? Yeah, sure, sure. Thanks for doing what you're doing. What does that mean? What is he doing? Here's what I think the cops thought he was doing and what he may or may not have been doing, right? Because I'm not going to pretend to know what this kid was up to or who he is or whatever. What I think they were thanking him for was we are busy keeping all of these nut jobs from set, literally setting the courthouse and the police precinct on fire. So you people are at least deterring some of the private business fires in this town. And it's undeniable that they were. Uh, whether he did everything right is entirely debatable and we don't know and there's a lot of facts that have yet to come out but to give you so anyway we'll, we'll run through the chronology here later on in the night there is a group of people who have a dumpster these are not armed like protester rioter types they have a dumpster and the contents of the dumpster are on fire 
and they're rolling the dumpster down the street, about to roll it into a gas station. The gas station is being guarded by a group of armed people. One of these guys takes a fire extinguisher and puts out the fire. So, one of the guys who was pushing the flaming dumpster into the into what the a mess. This what, sounds listen like to a this. fucking like one a of movie. the guys. One of the guys who was pushing the flaming dumpster into the gas station, then decides he's just going to start trying to pick fights with guys that have long guns strapped to themselves. Long guns are what? Meaning a Remember, ri- I just shot my first gun right. in 15 years with you three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, meaning a rifle of some kind. Okay. Like, so an AR, an AK, uh, not a pistol. Or uh, I guess a shotgun might be considered a long gun. Uh, but they have uh, uh, long rifles right. of some kind or another. Right. Uh, so this guy who had been pushing this dumpster that was just extinguished is now picking fights with guys who are guarding this gas station who are telling people, like, Please leave the gas station alone. There's video of all this. Leave the gas station alone. We don't give a shit if you go and burn the police station. Great idea. You're, no, well, because they're basically saying, like, we're not going to try to pretend that we can police this whole place. We're just trying to protect private citizens' property. And we can argue about whether that's a thing that, like, you know, armed citizens should bother doing. But what they're saying is, if your beef is with the cops, go deal with the cops. Go confront them. Don't take it out on these business owners. So, this guy who had been pushing the flaming dumpster then starts approaching guys with guns and telling them, and you tell me because your name's on the sandwich, but I am perfectly comfortable doing this when I'm quoting somebody. He is a white person, a redhead, with his head shaved, screaming at guys with guns, shoot me, shoot me. Oh, yeah, I remember. I saw that video. Yeah. So Yeah. He's screaming at these people. You tell me if you want that bleeped or something. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like the N-word at all. Okay, so we'll cut it out if you don't like it. But okay. it will be implied that I said it. Okay. Uh, but I'm, I, I, don't, I, I will never use it, but I will refer to it. Yeah, of course. You know? Uh, in the same way that I would never call someone a kike, but I'll say that asshole called this guy a well, kike. It's like I don't, I don't appreciate when people use the word spick. Exactly. Either. I've been called a spick. I also have been called a spick. Yeah. And look Although at me. I was called that in jest, it was my best black friend at Missouri. No, it, and he had it, me in my he had him, he had me in his phone as Nick the Spick as it rhymed. He called me a spick <laughs> right before we fought each other. Oh, I was fine with it. I just told him he was lucky. His name was uh, Ellis, and it didn't rhyme with anything. Ah, got it, <laughs> got it. Ellis is a good guy. So anyway, so flaming dumpster guy is telling these guys, "Shoot me, shoot me." N word. Moments later, there's video. So this seventeen year old. The video that we've all seen or that is available begins with shoot me guy chasing 17-year-old guy through a parking lot. The 17-year-old guy has a gun, and he has chosen to run away. He has not chosen yet to turn around and shoot anybody. He chooses to turn around and shoot somebody when shoot me guy throws something, whether it's a bottle or a shirt or a bag, who knows, that's on fire at him. Now, I'm sorry. If I'm in some kind, I don't care what situation or what decisions I've made to that point. If I am out on the street and you throw something that is on fire at me, if I have if I have already tried to run away, and that hasn't kept you from doing this, if you've chased after me and if you throw shit that's on fire at me, I'm shooting you. That's it, what happens next. This this is uh, a pure and one hundred percent example of like. Social media and what people want to articulate for you to understand. Now, no, hold, let, let me just finish the, okay, the chronology. On, on. There's, there's not more, much. There's, there's not more. much left. 
All right. So this guy turns. So when the thing gets thrown, this guy turns around. Dude from of shoot me fame is still approaching him, and that's when he shoots him. Shoots him in the head. The guy dies eventually. So here's what this kid does next. Mind you, this is a 17-year-old, which people will have different feelings on, but he's a 17-year-old boy strapped his first move. This kid's first move, when he just shot somebody in the head, is he turns around, he goes to the guy to try to help this dude. While he's calling 911, a new group starts chasing him, and that's when he starts running again. So he starts running. While he's running away from this group, who, if he were... I think if he wanted to, it's not even debatable. If he wanted to, he could just start shooting at them too. He starts running again. While he's running, he falls. So when he falls, he trips and falls while he's trying to run toward police to get away from the situation. He's on the ground on his ass. And at least one person yells, get him. They do go after him. One person hits him with a skateboard and another guy pulls his own Glock on this kid. That's when the kid starts shooting. So already, in my book, this kid, this child, has shown more restraint than all of the idiot asshole cops who sparked this protest movement in the first place. Who is really at fault here? Hold on. Okay. So he shoots uh, two people in this altercation. Yes. One he of them dies. two people. He, he, in total, he, he shot three. Okay. He killed two, and one of them lost a chunk of his arm. And then he gets up and he starts walking toward police and eventually he goes home. Because I guess police didn't see that he was the one who had shot somebody, walks past them, they don't arrest him, whatever. So reasonable people can disagree about the significance of a lot of things there. A lot of things. In my book, in my personal book, I am open to many possibilities. I'm open to the idea that this kid was a nut job who has a weird manifesto sitting under his mattress. Right. And was just out looking to kill people. I'm open to that idea. I'm also open to the idea that this was a kid who was merely months away, a technicality away from being legally allowed to open carry in Wisconsin, went to a neighboring town and thought the police, and he's not, if this was what he thought, I'm not going to bother speculating what he thought. This is what I think. The police have clearly, it's not up for debate, have clearly been insufficient for keeping that city from being burned to the ground. Yeah. Well, I mean And the governor of the state declined before all this shit hit the fan, declined National Guard assistance. So the governor has been insufficient. The governor has declined to have any kind of government aid in stopping this from happening. So if you're a kid, mind you, we lionize, we treat as heroes people who illegally lied about their age to go to war. Right now, we are literally in a situation where there is a faction of people burning entire cities to the ground. We are effectively, if this were happening in Central America, if this were happening in South America, if this were happening in the Middle East, we would call it a civil war. That's what it would be called everywhere. This kid, rightly, wrongly, smartly, stupidly, decided to participate. Right. So who's at fault? I don't, because I don't don't know the kid's story, I, I don't know. No, I... I believe, and I'll say it again, my, I don't have any kids. I don't have any kids right now. I don't have any kids. If I have a 17-year-old kid, I'm driving my kid to football practice. I'm not driving my kid anywhere with a long gun. 
you know, and 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 this is just speaking very openly. You know my relationship with with guns, because we went to a gun range together. I I was fearful of even the noise that was made in a gun range, and it's freaky if you haven't done it in a long time. Right. I hadn't shot a gun in 15 years. I shot a gun with you only because I felt like it was something I needed to do to understand better for myself. Yeah. If I'm that kid's parent, right, and I'm not a parent, so I, I can't tell people how to parent. I would never. But I know that I will judge you on what you just did. And you put your own child in harm's way. Whether you believe that that kid was doing something right and I believe that kid was doing something wrong, the person that's really at fault in all this is the parent. Because the parent is the one that drove that child to do that. Now, what what transpired and so on and so forth, I think... No, I'm sorry to interrupt, but just to be clear, do you think that that moral math is different a few months later when he's 18? I think that that moral math is now his choice. Okay. And I think that at that point, I can't hang... I can't... That's not going to hang over me. Because he can make that decision on his own, right? And I'm going to, I hope, I pray that if I have a child, that my child would have a different perspective as to saying that when he's 18, he can grab a long gun and say that he can go do that. Because my thing is, I believe in protecting myself, right? Mm-hmm. I believe in protecting my people. Like you, we disagree on 9 million things, but I'm, I'm here to protect you. Because you're my boy. Same thing with everyone I care about. But I'm not going to put myself in that situation. And I understand that you're right. If this was any other country, this would be looked at as civil war. And the world is burning. It is burning. It is fucking trash. Hello? It is fucking trash. And I don't agree with anything that is happening anywhere. And I've said that so many times. I don't and care we what, agree on that. This is I, this is I, all I, fucking I, ridiculous. I, I don't I don't care what side of the aisle you land on. I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. It's all fucking trash. It's all trash because none of these politicians care about you or care about me. They don't care. They, I, I'm I'm sorry, but they just don't. But the morality that we teach young people, the 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 learning that we can give to people, the care that we can give to people. Those kind of things we can control. We can be part of that. And my child, if I ever have one, which I don't have any, I hope that at 18 years old, they don't make that decision. And I hope just like what, what is that decision to you? Because that, that I'll, decision, I'll, that I'll decision, be very brief. That, that I'll deci- be very brief. OK, what that is that? Because because briefness and because to, <laughs> because to me. At least one possibility of what this decision is, is this kid deciding to put his own well-being at least at risk to serve the safety of other people. I guess that's one way to look at it. It's one way. It could also be a lot of... I'm not not saying that's what his head was. That that it's one way to look at it or the fact that you are grabbing a firearm that in essence can murder somebody. If I he, have. I if you have wanted to join the military at 18 years old, months later, if he did, yeah, then he can. But would you have a problem with it as a parent? I wouldn't. But why does that time frame of a few months? He hasn't it, matured that much in those few months. You're, you're right. But I don't think that the child that I will produce would want to be in the military. Okay, no, that's, that's also fair. a thing. No, and listen, uh, this is coming from a person who like I and I also almost joined the military. 
I would I would discourage my child from joining them. This is me being a crazy person. I would. Well, dis- this is a crazy statement. What yeah. you're about to say is yeah. a crazy statement. I would discourage my child from joining the military, and I would be very you know why? proud because of my child if that child went off on his own to join some weird rebel movement against that's the dictator. What I'm saying because you're not an organizational person. You right. don't want to join a faction of people. You want to be the faction of people. Which, acknowledging my bias, is part of why I'm into at least some possible version of what this kid did. But I, I, I can't. But that's part of the chaos. And I listen. The other part of the chaos is trusting a police force, right? Mm-hmm. That isn't properly trained, right? That don't understand. That don't know anything, that are out of shape, not trained. I'll go back to not trained. I can, me, that I'm a casual, I casually train four to five days a week. I can outrun, outbox, out anything, lots of police officers. Oh, and by the way, this kid, and I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to be a gun expert or that I train all the time. But this kid in this video, it is clear that he trained more with that gun than most cops in this country. I just don't think it's okay. Me personally. And I'm not like a I'm not a um I I like raising a little havoc. That is like my personality, right? I like talking shit. I'm okay with let's you want to fight me? Let's fight. I'm all right with that. What I'm not okay with is giving a child a weapon, right? I want you to understand that but I don't want you to have it. And maybe that's just me as a person. I want you to understand it, but I don't want you to have it. I don't want you to have a gun that can kill someone. Because honestly, I think that I have a hard time killing a roach, and I don't like roaches. I have a hard, I have a hard time killing things. Yeah. And and I'm a chef. Like it's just one of like, you know, part of our thing is uh, uh, part of my thing. With food is, I feel like I'm honoring the entirety of the animal, right? Like that—that's part of my thing. I—I I feel like I do more justice to the animal than these gigantic corporations that just sell you chicken breast at ninety-nine cents a pound, right? That's part of my shtick. So I want you to understand this weapon, but I don't want you to have it because I don't want you to use it. And this is part of why four weeks ago I said. Nick, let's go to the gun range. And I tell you every week, let's go to the gun because I want to understand it. Yeah. Not because I want to use it. I, I want to know if my back's up against the wall and people that I care about are in danger, then I will have to use it and I will do what I have to. But I don't want to. Right. And I don't want to ever be put in that position. And I don't want my child that's 17 years old. Nick, you got to think about it. You got to think about it this way. I'm 35. How old are you? I'm 33. I'm 35. I had to think about it for a second. You're 33. Yeah. I'm 35. I'm a train wreck. You're 33. You're a train wreck. Oh, yeah. We're 100%. We're proverbial train wrecks. Yeah. You give me a gun and say that I'm going to murder someone. I'm going to take someone's life. I am not prepared to do that. But, okay, so time out. Time out Go for on. a second because you've With built an, you've built an assumption into that. That's Why not necessarily that? what this kid said. Okay, so I'm going to say that a 17-year-old knows when it's okay to take someone's life. Here's Okay, here's my position. On, okay. the, on the hypothetical parenthood. At 17 years old, I know what I was like. Oof, I know what I was like, too. Okay. So I, as a parent, if I am an engaged parent, engaged enough to participate in what this child is doing, right? Because in, in this hypothetical, we're comparing it at least somewhat to this situation where the mother drove the kid, right? 
if I am the mother kid, drove the kid. I know, I know, I know. If if I am the sort of parent that the kid would trust enough, and that I know the kid enough that like I'm an active participant in the situation, I can envision a world, a reality, a hypothetical, where I am the parent of a seventeen year old who I know you are where you're going to be. You are not going to be a different human being in six months. You are fully baked. And I am going to, as long as I agree with the principle of what you're doing, I'm going to support what you're doing. Sure. So if it's something I can envision, it's not always, because maybe my kid, if I ever have a kid, is going to be an idiot. And when that idiot is 17 years old, I will tell him, no, go fuck yourself, find another ride. Or, no, I'm going to fucking handcuff you. Why don't you you have a car? Or I'm going to handcuff you to the fucking pipes in the house or something. Why don't you have a car? Because maybe I've... Get a job. Because maybe they get burned a job. Well, maybe they burned all the cars. <laughs> get a job. Whatever. But my point is, like, maybe I'll even try to stop him. Maybe I'll be like, "No, I'm your parent, and I'm gonna literally, like, I'm gonna hog tie you." Or, but I can just as easily imagine a world where my kid is mature enough that I say, "Yeah, the law says you're not, but I say you are, and these are extenuating circumstances, and I see you as an adult. I treat you as an adult." Here, let me give you an example. If you t- and I've said this, I've, we can cut this out if you want or not because this oh, involves your business. I have, I've told you, I've told you. If you want, if the shit hits the fan here in Miami, which I fully believe it will, if you want me to show up here and just hang out in the back with my gun on my hip, I will. And I would, and I would just, I live a block and a half away from a gas station. If I knew that people were rolling flaming dumpsters into gas stations in my neighborhood. Or any, like, I would, PD is the only reason that I would consider not going. But now, you got to understand, you're also not 17 years old. But it depends on the 17-year-old is my point. You and I were different at 17. There's no kid at 17 years I old disagree. that is mentally grown up enough to carry a I gun was. and know what the fuck he's doing. I'm sorry. I was. You, you can say that you were, but I'm going to heavily disagree That's that you're fine. not. I'm the same person now that I was at 17 years There's old. There's no way. I am. There's no factual Ask. way that you haven't had any growth in 16 years. That's different. It's not. Yeah, it's, that's, it's my tooth. <laughs> <laughs> that's the perfect time for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Petey, don't eat his tooth. You good? You need me to put another light on? Maybe. We're taking a tooth break here on Punk oh, Podcast. Oh, man. Anyway, I mean, and that's fine. You can speculate and disagree, but honestly, like I, 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 I believe that I was, and I have met other seventeen-year-olds who are at least as mature at seventeen as they would have been at eighteen and nineteen and twenty when they are legally allowed to literally join just, the military and the police force and all kinds of shit. Just like forget seven at seventeen, I was such a tragic child, right? At twenty-five tragedy at 29 exponential tragedy at at 32 still concerned at 35 i'm just starting to figure it out and maybe that's a maybe that's a thing of like uh, person to person but i can't look at a 17 year old kid and say you're okay Okay. To carry a weapon that could take someone's life. Okay. And listen, that's where, that's, say, that's where you are. I would say at 18, 
you're not I don't look at a child and say that you're okay to to understand what it takes to take someone's life. Is it the number though or is it the person? I mean, but who makes that decision? I think it's a case by case thing. I think, but this is assuming when, when you start your, getting a case by case decisions. Now we're talking about no, three hundred, and we're starting no, but to throw it's people your, but, over but the fucking. What I'm saying is, gonna, who are we going to keep? But what I'm saying is that it's your child, and you know your child. This all assumes that it's your child. You've never lived away from your child. You know your child better than anybody. I think at that point, let's suppose, like you can imagine a hypothetical where you happen to raise a child. Who you're like blown away by how mature this person is at 17 years old. And they're more mature than most people you know in their 40s. Maturity and growth are different. I think that maturity and growth are different. Okay, fine. When you grow as a human being and when you're mature, like, yeah, I was I was actually a, a – you would have to ask my mother. I guess I was a, a rather mature young person, but like a, like growth? Growth is different, man. This growth, feels like a whole other podcast. I know. I'm just saying like when you grow – as a person, and you understand things, but you're never life, done growing. But you're never you're you're right. Yeah. So like, how let's say taking somebody's life, how it could affect you when you're mature, other than to when you've grown to be the person that you want to be, is different. Of I course. respect I respect the fact of you saying that. Shit, it's fan. Like, listen, I had a conversation with someone today. I said, listen, cops in Miami need to keep their shit together they need to keep their shit together because all these other cities around the country they're not shit comparison to miami miami's lit the fuck up and that's why i say it's a matter of time it's and it's I, too big a city at some point somebody's gonna get shot and the shit will hit the fan here maybe maybe not maybe maybe not and i i hope for the maybe not i hope for the maybe not because let me tell you our leadership is trash carlos jimenez and francis suarez are fucking trash they don't know what the fuck they're doing. They don't have my best interests in, in and and if something like this were to happen, I worry about what would happen to the city. Because I don't know what they would do. They're not good leaders. Right. And like everyone who tries to live in that political scope of understanding, that political scope of like acceptance, fuck you, man. Like it's just like I it, it I always go back to that fact of like you don't want to ruffle too many feathers because you don't want them to to poke at you. Yeah, fuck you. I pay your bills, dog. I pay your bills. My tax dollars, what I pay in taxes, pays your bills. I'm going to be sending you this audio to make sure we're good to... Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure that the, the people that I have employed will tell me that I shouldn't say this. But at the same time, it's like, it's my freedom to say this. Right, right. So I need to worry about one of my good friends saying that I will stand pat by your restaurant to make sure it's safe. And I respect that about you. But at the same time, the people that I pay, the cops that I pay their bills are driving by here every night at 10 o'clock to make sure I'm fucking closed. And if not, they're going to close me the next day and they're going to find me. Right. And then now I can open up my dining room at 50%. Uh, but I need to keep the doors open and keep the AC going, even though I spent 30 grand on that AC over the last five years after I worked my fucking ass off. None of it makes any sense. And going back to what we were originally talking about, growth and maturity are different. I've been mature since I was young. My dad left when we were young. My fucking mom was by herself. My sister was alone. It was just me, my sister, and my mom. We lived in one fucking room. Maturity was there, but growth was different. Tell me the difference. Man, I'm not saying there isn't one, but I want to make sure I understand how you mean it. My growth as a human being, 
right? My understanding of what I wanted at one time to what I wanted at another time is different. And I think that for every person is different, right? Like you could know what you want out of your life right now. I don't know what I want out of my life. I know that maybe I want a kid. Maybe I don't want a kid. Maybe I want, maybe I want a restaurant empire of 50 restaurants. Maybe I don't. Maybe I want to sell all my restaurants and just keep one. Maybe I just want to serve 10 dishes a night. Maybe I just want to drive around in my Cadillac and not even show up to work. Maybe growth as a human being is very different. What I think growth is very relative to happiness, right? What makes you happy? What makes me happy? What like maturity and growth is different. I'm mature enough to carry the weight of certain things. But I am not grown up enough to understand what that means. Right. I'm grown to an extent, but I don't know if I'm I like I'm grown enough to accept all of these things. I am I'm 35 today. Yeah. I'm not grown enough. I, I'm not a grown up enough to take somebody's life. I know how to use a gun. You taught me how to use a gun again. After Mitch taught me how to use a gun when we were 19, you taught me how to use a gun again four weeks ago. I'm not grown up enough to take someone's life ever because you – let's say you're charging at me and you want to kill me, right? Yeah. I'm going to shoot you in the leg. I'm going to try at least. Not a very good shot. I'm going to try to shoot you in the leg, right? I don't want to kill you. I want to beat you up. Right? That's what I do. I fight five days a week. I want to beat you up. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah. I don't want to take your life. Not with a bullet. It's too easy. Nobody wants to, though. But is that true? That nobody wants well, to? Sure. No, is no that you're true? right. That's not true. Is that true? true? That's not you're right. true. It's, you're right. It's not true. That's most not true. Pe- because most people don't want to. Is that true? I, I do believe I, that's true. I think that a kid... I think if most people I, wanted to, we'd see it happen a lot more. But I think the structure of the world, right... In like the information that we inundate kids with, mm-hmm. young people, kids, whatever, at a young age is accepting of a lot of things. Taking someone's life, taking life is acceptable because of certain things that we inundate children with at a young age. I don't know if the evidence bears that out. Maybe. I'm just saying from... From from my scope. And and because we're talking about, we keep referencing a specific kid. I'm just referencing. But, but, but we're talking about, but, but, wait, 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 this, wait. this comes from a specific kid. And I just Let's talk po- about I, another kid. Let's talk I about just, another but, kid. Hold on, hold on. Just time okay. out. I, I just want to point out that this kid in particular. I got to take a leak. Huh? Oh, man. This was the fastest leak in Bancom wow. podcast history. Fucking A. Uh, I ran. So. Uh, because we keep referencing a specific kid, I'll make a, a point about uh, this kid whose name I keep forgetting and myself. So this kid, again, in terms of whether he wanted to kill people and all that, I, I don't presume to know everything about him. I am fully conscious of like how much I don't know. But the evidence that we have, he, in the limited video that exists of the interactions that we've seen, he conducted himself like a person who did not want to kill anybody. Even with a gun strapped to his body, he ran away from people who were attacking him every single time before he shot anybody. That doesn't mean anything. He could be a neo-Nazi. 
He could be all sorts of things. He could be a sicko. Maybe we'll find that out. I get it. Let I'm me sure use all that shit will come out. Let me use myself as an example here. Oof. When I was loaded. <laughs> loaded. It's, so I never was in a situation where I might have to take someone's life. But I was in a situation. You carry a gun every day. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what I mean is, like, I've never been in a confrontation where that was a thing. But I have been in a situation where, like, I was putting myself at risk, namely with going to Cuba. With what? With going to Cuba. Okay. So in 2008 and 2009, I went four times, including the time they turned me around. The first time I went to Cuba in 2008, my dad and I talked about it. So in 2008, I was a sophomore or a senior in college. Mm -hmm. I was a senior in college. Right. So I was 21 years old. No, 20 years old the first time I went. I was 20 years old. So not far removed from my 18th birthday. By the standards we've been talking about, there was some maybe growth left to take place. My dad and I talked about it. And I'm just bringing this up as an example of how different people can come to different conclusions and see things differently about what they back their kids doing. So at 20 years old, my dad said, I support your doing this. You and I have had the conversation. Like, I've done my fatherly due diligence, making sure that you're aware that you might end up in a shitty Cuban prison somewhere. Which, by the way, this is two years before Alan Gross ended up in prison for four full years. Uh huh. And he told me, I understand that you get it. I've made sure that you understand the ramifications. Your mother will never understand this. You will go to Cuba, and she won't know you're in Cuba until you're already there. Right. I will not tell her. No one will tell her. And then once you're there, and sure enough, she said she would have tried to stop it. Sure. So different people can come to different conclusions about the same kid in terms of what sorts of risks they're willing to let that kid take on. Right. You know, And how they evaluate that kid's uh, maturity how they see their own responsibility to protect that kid from their own decisions, regardless of what those decisions are. Like I went to Cuba, I took risks and I did it four times in quick succession. And it's just by sheer luck that the fourth time they turned me around, they didn't fucking throw me in a cell somewhere. Uh, all of which is to say that's, it's not just because of that experience. I think, you know, we're, any two people are different and I see this kid and I don't pretend to know the kid, but I can imagine a world and a set of facts where I see that kid and I say, you know what? This freaks me out a little, but I feel like you're doing a noble thing and you're taking on risks for the right reasons because there are stupid risks. There are risks that are not worth taking on. But I have a hard time imagining a world where I really do believe that someone understands what they're doing, what the risks are, and they're doing it to be in service of other people and that I try to stop them. I think that the easy move right now always for the media is to compare it to younger African-American kids that have been shot and killed by police. 100%. And that's that's always going to be the move, right? Do I think that this kid is should have been treated dif differently? I don't know, probably. I mean, he killed people. So, like, he definitely should have been treated some kind of way. But how do you mean? I mean, he was just sent home. No, he wasn't sent home. Go on. The, the police never saw him shoot anybody. And there were a lot of... That's why he made it home. He didn't make it home because the police didn't care. He made it home because there were people with guns all over the place. And as far as the police were concerned, 
They didn't realize he was the guy who had just shot somebody. Otherwise, they, I fully believe they would have stopped this guy. It's just he's it, already it, been arrested. Okay. Yeah, he's been arrested. I want to talk about like the the difference in young people, right? Understanding what the world, like the structure in which we give young people to understand death, killing, and guns, right? Yeah. And, and by the way, I just want to because you made the point you made. I'm not denying that there is ra- that racism exists in the police forces around yeah, the no. country. Of of course, there have been instances where race plays a role in For the sure. outcomes. I'm just saying that to the extent that we can make an apples to apples comparison, it's tough to make one here. Yeah, I, I think that no matter what, there's always going to be tough. It's always going to be tough to make an apples to apples comparison to use your phrase in a lot of instances because yeah, we 100%. don't we only know the information that people give us not the full facts and i think that's often with everything so i watched a video and i don't know if it's accurate all i know is that it made me cry like a child okay and it was about a father talking about his son and uh this was about the effects of uh quarantine on this child right i think it was based out of maybe missouri Somewhere middle America wise, because just everything looked could have been Missouri, could have been Montana, who knows? could have been somewhere where there's just a lot of white people <laughs> and there's a lot of like trees and grass. Not yeah. Miami. It's pretty much what I'm saying. Is it a good or a bad story? It's a bad story. Oh, never mind. I was it's gonna a say shout out, shout out Missouri. Yeah, never mind. So uh, the father started talking about how how the coronavirus took his child, right? Literally, like his child had it. Just listen to me. Okay. So, his child was one of the top 10 performers in his age group for Fortnite. Okay. Right? At the beginning of quarantine, his child that was like a a great model student, um, but he was very into, obviously, this Fortnite thing, which there's a lot of violence and guns and things involved, right? Um, Got very – he lost a game, got very – animated and then threw his control controller at the screen broke the screen into a million pieces right the dad being a good dad i thought again i don't know how to parent so he said you know you're gonna have to work to get a new screen Mm -hmm. so then they went through like the three months of quarantining and life and things or whatever and then uh the kid worked himself it was his birthday the kid worked himself to get a new screen dad bought the kid a new screen Right. And uh, the kid was super happy living his best life. Just like, and you know, I'm watching this dad say the story and I'm just like, I don't understand what's happening. And this is what I mean. The correlation with death and kind of like what, what is given to kids at a young age for them to understand about death and like the end, the very end of things. And guns and like, I just, I always go back to guns and death and the end, right? So this kid, he goes and he's, uh, he's back playing the Fortnite. He's very happy or whatever. And apparently I I don't remember. I I saw this. This was like a month ago, but it stayed with me since. And I haven't talked about it since. And, um, it was another event. I don't know if it was mom's birthday or sister's birthday or I don't know. It was another event. And, um, the kid had a scream back. He was playing Fortnite. Everything was good. The dad was happy. Things seemed to seem to like be turning around. And the daughter 
walks into the room and tells the dad, uh, and I forgot the kid's name, and I feel terrible forgetting his name, but uh, my brother has hung himself. And the dad started the whole thing with talking about how the coronavirus took his son's life, right? And I think to an extent that he was right, which was talking about like, you know, isolation, uh, not being around his friends, not having human interaction. The only thing he had to interact with was this video game and it was connecting him with people. But basically what happened was the kid got animated again with the game. He threw the controller at the screen again and he broke the screen again. And he didn't know how he was going to be able to live with himself through losing this game that it was his connection with humanity again. And the kid hung himself. And this is what I mean by like understanding of death and the very end. And what we give to kids at a very young age to understand about all these things, right? 17 years old. I think this kid was like nine. I don't know. Nine or ten. I don't fucking know. I, I don't remember. And it's like this is the first time I've literally said these things since I watched the video. And I think that when I watched the video it was right before we did a podcast. Okay. So this is the – I think this is the first time that it's starting to like connect with something that actually matters. Guns kill people, yeah. right? Yeah. The – Control of guns and how they're controlled and how people have them, I think, is too loose. Right? I think it's very loose. I think Nick Jimenez having a gun is totally fine. Right? Because Nick Jimenez understands how to have a gun. Right? But a 17-year-old kid understanding the effects of what that gun has, taking somebody's life, that person is now, that light is now gone from the world. Who knows what that person would have done? And who knows? It would have been complete trash. I don't know. That What that person was going to contribute to the world for the rest of his or her life is now gone. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't know if I'm ready to give that responsibility to a 17-year-old. And what I'm relating to this, to this thing that made me sob like a fucking child mm -hmm. is because the information we're giving kids to at a very young age about death, guns, and the understanding of all of that, I think is very flawed. I think it's very flawed. And I think the fact that that 17-year-old kid knew how to handle a gun does not mean he knows what the ramifications of using that gun really mean. That's fair. It, so it, That he knew how to handle it physically doesn't mean that. It also, it's possible that he did understand that. That he did or he didn't. It's uh, Both are possible. Both are possible. That's what I'm saying. Like, but not probable. I'm statistically probably not probable. When you when you're 17, no, no, not probable. But just hear me out. Yeah, when yeah. you're 17, and there's this girl you've wanted to sleep with your entire life, and you sleep with her, and you get her pregnant, the ramifications of what that has on your life, you're not totally prepared for at the age of 17. It depends. I just come all over. It does. On. No, really. At thir in our no, 30s. No, hold on. Time out. Time out. Whether you're pre prepared because it's 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 different. And I'm saying it's different because the ramification, being prepared for the ramifications of a child, is different from being prepared for the psychological ramifications of of killing someone in self defense. By which I mean that a child brings with it certain financial and practical responsibilities. But I do think, I sincerely believe that 
they may be and probably are in the minority, but there are 17-year-olds in the world who are psychologically prepared to have a child. I want to meet them. I was one of them. I Honestly, I wasn't practically prepared. I'm not practically prepared now. <laughs> but I was practically, I was psychologically prepared for that. And I have been for a long time. Uh, and and whether they're in the majority or the minority, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, but I, I do really believe that they exist. And I think that that is a case-by-case question for a parent to ask about their own child uh, and for other people to ask. Because, by the way, to the extent, like if, let's suppose that I showed up here in this hypothetical, in a very unlikely scenario where you say, Nick, the police are clearly failing. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, please, whatever. If I showed up here... And I'm not pretending that I'm some kind of a fucking guerrilla leader or something. But, like, if I saw some kid show up also who I had some indication, like, this kid needs to get the fuck out of here. Right. I'd say so. But I can also imagine the kid who I'd be like, oh, shit, this kid's only 17? Like, this seems like the kid. There there are some correlations even to you as a leader in in a company. Like, there I'm sure there have been, and I'm not trying to draw a correlation between the work of a restaurant and carrying a gun. I'm not. But there is some overlap. Like You can conceive of the person who you think, holy fuck, I would never imagine this coming from a 17-year-old kid. Like, that's fucking weird. This is a special person. I can trust this person with things that I wouldn't trust. Maybe that's the keys to the restaurant. Maybe that's responsibility over people. Sooner than you would ever have imagined being able to trust that person. Mm. So, in my mind, it's not that much of a, of a leap. Uh, I want to, only because we've been going at this for quite a while now. Yeah. Let's, uh, it's been a longer podcast than I would have liked. I'm, I'm going to uh, offer my thoughts. You can offer any party thoughts you might have before we move on to recommendations. So, I'm just going to say that I think, without getting into any particular opinions, I think... This is exactly the conversation people need to be having more often without microphones all the time. All the time. I think there's too much of people being unwilling because you and I have disagreed a ton in the last two hours. all the time. Right, right. But but now on more fundamental issues. Like now on more fundamental shit. Right. And yet, like we're going to – honestly, like tell me if I'm wrong. I think we leave this table liking each other more than we did two hours ago. I mean, I don't like you. I liked you plenty before. I don't need to like you anymore. Whatever. Fuck you too. (laughs) (laughs) But but my point is, like, I think that I I, my sincere hope is that people hear this, the twenty two people who listen to this, right, and that it strips away some of the fear they might have about having this conversation with people they see different things. But the the fear, I think, the fear in having the conversation isn't with what your thoughts are. It's what how the person across the table will. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You tell me, in this conversation, you told me that you would you would vote for Trump. Well, uh, let's be very specific. That there is a <laughs> not 0% chance and that I am more likely to vote for Joe Jorgensen than I am for Trump. Let's not start painting it like a Trump I would actually voter. vote for David Hasselhoff before I voted for Donald Trump. David Hasselhoff, you're invited on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Please run for president. I would love David Hasselhoff on this podcast. Could you imagine? He's so big <laughs> overseas, like we would actually maybe get a sponsor. We'd get at least two listeners in Germany. <laughs> All I'm saying is, I don't. 
I don't judge. For instance, and I know this is a whole other ball of uh, wax. I'm going to resist all the urges to respond. My family and I disagree on absolutely fucking everything. The way that I work, my work ethic, my job, my politics, my being, everything. We disagree on everything. Me and my father disagree on everything, but I love all those people through and through to the end of time, and I would take a fucking bullet for all of them. That does not change those facts. And I disagree with you on, you know, we said 83.5% of things. You said. That's a good percentage. But you're still my lower. You're still my friend, and I still care about you 100%. That does not change that. Yeah. Because we have differing views... Does not mean that I don't like. I'm just. What is it? What is it? The kids call it now. The cancel culture. Is that what that means? I cancel you out because we don't agree. Yeah, sure. That's. I guess that's what that means. Yeah. I. I don't. I. I refuse. <laughs> like I think, you sound like you're like sixty, right? I'm now. just saying. I'm not. Well, the kids. <laughs> the kids are all the ones that don't want to have a conversation. Right. But so they, they could be forty-five. Let me tell you something. So, a lot of this is a lot of it is social media and. Not just social media as a medium, but also just the fact that, like, this is all some, especially now in quarantine, it's all some people think about all the time. Uh, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to out people. But I had a a Facebook incident between, like, a first cousin and. uh, Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. Like, somebody actually saying, if you are going to vote for Trump, you can get the fuck out of my life and I don't care who you are. And the person was in air quotes, confronted by people in our family on this comment thread, like, wait, what about me? Yeah, you too. That yeah, was the response. Too. Get out. Yeah, exactly. I, we don't agree on politics. And to me, that's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, it's it's not just that it's a political question. It's that you're, you can't have it both ways. It can't be both, oh, we're all facing a binary choice and choosing a lesser of T. And, and also, if you make the choice I don't like, then never talk to me again. Like, no, that's. Why can't we just agree to disagree? Or even, yeah, or why can't we just keep trying to change each other's minds in vain and agree that we are coming at it from good faith? Here's the thing. You would be happier if you said a thing and I thought, oh, wow, I'd never thought of it that way. Now I agree with you. You don't, it's not going to make or break your life, but you would prefer that over just continuing to disagree. Just like I would prefer. I actually don't know if that's true. Whatever, but I would prefer. We both like to argue. I don't, I don't like to argue. I like being, Uh, no, I don't. I don't. I like being, I like being challenged because I like people, I like people forcing me to (laughs) dig into what I think. I didn't. I came to where I am now by realizing how wrong I was about a lot of things. Oh yeah, no, I remember that. That's what I mean. So anyway, my my point is that it shouldn't just be like, oh, let's agree that we'll. No, it should be like, let's agree to argue, but arguing doesn't have to mean hating each other to the point of cutting you out of my life. Arguing should mean like, this is stimulating. Like, let's. I, I think we just need to learn how. Like, what's good about that. Like it's well, I good. Think pe- it's it's pe- enriching. It makes you better. People are scared to um, emotionally and intellectually challenge themselves. And right. I think when you have a good disagreement, you know, it's this is funny. In my personal life, I don't like to disagree because I disagree so much in my professional life, and I think that's like 
I, I know that's a weird statement, but I disagree with so many things professionally. Yeah, you need a break. Like right now, we I, I think even though we're personally friends, TP. Oh shit. BDT. That's his name. That's what I hear. <laughs> I don't even know what's going on right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, serious. I think that although we're personally friends, this is a professional setting, and for me, I'm okay with disagreeing. Oh, that's professional's a stretch for what we're doing. Right I'm just saying. Even though we don't get paid for this shit, no one wants to put an ad on this. Where you at, Estrella Dam? <laughs> like, when I when it comes to my personal life, I don't I don't want to I don't want to disagree with things because it's just like I'm so exhausted from. That's why, also, my family is always up in arms because a lot of like family events when there's large disagreements, I just eighty six myself out of it because I don't that you don't want to see that side of me. You don't want to get that side of me because I, I'm so charged up emotionally, physically, intellectually. Like, I, you know, like I have a lot of feelings. Personally, I don't want to do that. You know, and I get that. You yeah. know, and that's why I feel like the podcast has always been a good exit for I, not just me, for the both of us. I think, you know, your name's not on the sandwich, but it's there. Um, it's Nick and company, right? And like... I understand also the other side that personally they just want to shut it out. But a lot of people don't have the medium in which that I do and that you do. You write. I express myself through food and we talk for, I don't know, this has been a long podcast. But yeah. um, we talk a good amount. So I understand it. But it doesn't mean you should cancel out someone else's uh, conversation and understanding of a subject. Yeah. I have disagreed with you, I think, 90% of today. Today, yes. Yes. But it doesn't mean that I don't want to listen to your side. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like it's um, important for me to understand that so I'm better equipped to understand my facts. 100%. If I want to understand my facts, like Cuba is a good example. There's a lot of people that are, like, pro what happens in Cuba, right? Right. But then there's a lot of people like you and me that just say, like, you guys are morons well, like what are you talking about right you know so i don't know we'll have a lot of other opportunities to and i'm sure the world will stay on fire for at least a few more weeks so we can always revisit this if we really want to is there anything else there that you want to get into before Bro, we do recommendations? I mean, there's 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 nothing right now that i can add to the three yeah. hours of podcasting that we've just it's done. only been two <laughs> we're two-thirds of the way to a tea time with mike and mike length episode um I'm going to kick into our parting recommendations. This is where we let you know things that we think you should look at, uh, watch, read, uh, eat, experience, whatever. Because as we have established, I think maybe, unless I'm mixing conversations earlier in this podcast, I watch entirely too much shit on YouTube. Uh, there is a YouTube channel. There is a person named Nick Lutzko, L-U-T-S-K-O, Nick N-I-C-K, Lutzko, and he is a musician who makes uh, very funny, nonsensical songs. Uh, one of them, uh, it's only 50 seconds long. I'm going to play it for Mike right now, and maybe we'll cut it into here in post. Oh, I can't. It's called, okay, fine. It's, uh, it's called I Want to Be. It's the uh, I Want to Be at the RNC, or the RNC official theme song. It is a very weird song about someone wanting to be at the Republican National Convention. <laughs> Uh, and it's, uh, I thought it was, if you enjoy weird and find it funny, that's the move. Also, second recommendation, because it's also a shameless plug. Uh, 
check out the video of Mike blind tasting canned black beans. And also, by the time this episode comes out, we will have one of the three or four videos that have come out of our shoot with American tea master Mike Ortiz. I don't care about him trying teas. I want to make sure everyone sees him talking about his vocal Yeah, doing his vocal exercises. The vocal exercises of Mike Ortiz (laughs) is really something that the world, the content that the world needs. We're going to cut that in right here. Yeah. Look, you want to see the, you want to see the full, like, vocal range warm-up? Yeah. It's like this, right? It's pretty cool. All right. It's like, uh, you start like this. And then you go like So we also had Mike Ortiz taste ready-to-drink bottled and canned teas, the teas that you might find in a grocery store. There are many videos forthcoming. Uh, One of them is flavored green teas. There's unflavored green teas. There's regular old black teas. And then we had him try three. uh, Actually, I I actually fucked up. What you were afraid of, what happened with the beans, happened with Mike. Uh, I told him he was going to be blind-tasting three cans of Arizona iced tea, and it turned out only two of them were Arizona. The other was peace tea. Oof. Uh, but you didn't have any honesty. I, I there was honesty in the mix. Was there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mixed reviews. What trash! <laughs> I love them because they're jacked full of sugar. But I fucking Mike probably a nice. Wait them. till you see the uh, video of Mike describing what it is to get to buy tea with that much sugar. I, I just don't. I don't even care about regular television right now. I just can't wait to see this oh, it's coming. On, on the Dade platform it's coming of Mike you. Ortiz trying. And I hear uh, my good friend Pablo is going to be trying arepas soon. Pablo has said that he wants to come to my living room and make frozen arepas on camera. And I'm very excited about this. So, Pablo, now it's on record. You have to do it. There's no choice. I'm just right. What's our next one with me? What are we doing? Frozen maduros. This is going to be gross. Can we do something? Like, let's do croquetas. At least that's Croquetas more... first? Yeah, croquetas first. Okay, we'll do frozen croquetas first. Are you bringing a fryer? Yeah, I'll bring a little... Fr- I have a mini fryer. Nice. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, things are happening. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like, no one really cares about the shit that we talk, but they care about the food that we try. You'd be surprised, man. People Nobody care. cares. Some people care, but more people, people definitely out, care. About people tuned f- out an hour and 15 minutes ago. Maybe. That's a good chance. <laughs> Petey's already fucking asleep. Oh, Petey, Petey tuned out a long time ago. He has, he, I couldn't even start being around here. It was walking my, around the whole place. My recommendations are uh, get on the wait list for our tasting menu for October because September's already sold out. Boom. Um, Russ Bros on Netflix. It's a, an atrocious show that what I love. It? Russ Bros. It's Rust? about like Rust. Yeah, Rust Bros. They this guy. It's a terrible storyline. He's got a shop. He's got 400, like, shitty vintage cars. And him and his friend Avery are redoing these cars. And they just do – it's like the the theatrics are so bad because it's all scripted, you can tell. But the cars are beautiful. So okay. that's cool. Uh, I already talked about the banker. That's also cool. Um, other than that, I don't really know. Shameless plugs. Shameless plugs. Area at Miami. I want everyone to stay on the lookout. I just decided what day we should reopen Nave Ooh. today. 
that's good. Maybe the world will be somewhat normal. That may be nice when we reopen. Um, we got pop-ups and shit. You know, we're doing the Crab Shack. Anave Taurus is doing some things. We're doing dim sum night. Stay tuned for that. That's this Sunday. It'll be every other Sunday moving forward. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's it, man. Cool. Uh, and then finally, the other shameless join plugs. Patreon. I don't know what the fuck that it's thing is. Patreon. Patreon.com. Uh, you know what? I don't know if we've ever actually said this. Patreon is a platform on which you can support content creators who do shit you like. I'd also like to point out perks. that there are porn stars on Patreon. There are support some. them and also support support us podcast. first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Patreon.com slash Dade Mag. Uh, Dade Mag.com is Our next. This- is the site where you can get all of the Dade Mag things, including this podcast, but also the blind tasting videos, also the Step Into the Sandbox podcast. Oh, uh, the I am no promises because you know it's not done, but I am working with a shark activist on a uh, an op ed about a group of divers who saved uh, some sharks and shit. Uh, so that should be cool. Um, also, there are interesting uh, interviews coming up on this podcast. Share with your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your grandmother. Uh, put it on Instagram. Do all the things. You can listen to this podcast anywhere that podcasts can be listened to. Uh, that's dademag.com slash Patreon. Uh, Mike is showing me things that we're not going to talk about because that will spark another hour of conversation. I don't know what's happening here. Uh, but this is what this is what social media does. Oh, man. I don't know what's going on. Hold on. Everybody calm down. I'm just uh, saying. And that's it. Social media does. Uh, that's it. Thank you very much. Uh, Pancom Podcast on all the things. Datamag.com. Patreon. Do the Patreon thing. Uh, and also, there are T videos coming. Thank you very much. Uh, follow Petey the Dog. He's P D P E A T Y. Petey the Dog. Dot. What the fuck am I talking about? Dot com. At Petey the Dog on all the things. The Dog is the number one. He is the he is the reason why this podcast is alive and kicking because no one gives three fucks what me and Nick talk about. Boom. Thank you.